0: Happy New Year, betters. We are rolling into the new year with a great episode today. Uh, Our final, unfortunately, college football episode of the year. Uh, We're going to look at uh, the national championship between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. Should be a great showdown and then dissect some uh, NFL Week 18 matchups. Should also be very interesting uh, with, with a few guys sitting and and some playoff races tightening up. So um, we'll dive right into it. Apologies, we've been off for a couple weeks. We had to give uh, give some time to the friends and family over the holidays, which is always important. But we're raring and ready to go. And then we look forward to next week diving more into the uh, the NFL playoffs as those get up and running. So um, we're going to do a little bit differently this week for college football we're just going to stick it with three three uh, blocks. We're going to do a prop pick. Uh, we're going to do our lock of the week, and then we're going to do a quick same game parlay of the week. And then uh, we'll roll back our NFL week 18 with the same six segments we've been coming at all year long. So, um, first of all, happy holidays to uh, to Rye Riggs. We've got Ryan and Jay Mills on. Uh, both got a lot of golf in over the holidays, much unlike myself. Uh, how were how the holidays for you folks? Yeah, going, good,
1: good, good, good set of holidays. Uh, definitely nice to get back out on the links a little bit. Got a few birdies, several bogeys, um, but you know, definitely excited to start the new year off with some some winning bets. And, and I mean, after this last weekend of the college football playoffs, some you know craziness happened. Some good games. So Excited to play some bets for the Natty and the final week of the NFL
2: yeah i mean anytime you're out on the links it's a good time and regardless you're getting birdies bogeys pars quadruple bogeys at least you're having some beers and you're on the golf course because it could be working so
0: yeah that's that's true hopefully hopefully everyone's rejuvenated for a a great betting 2024 um and without further ado i think we'll just dive right into our our first segment and let j mills kick it off
2: yeah I'm, i'm going with uh this prop lock and drop it so uh, I'm rolling with Michael Penix over 300 yards alternative line he's at 291 and a half bump it up to 300 to get you in the plus money uh plus 105 Michael Penix is probably the most pretty deep ball thrower in the NCA over the last 20 years yeah I just said that um dude throws one of the most beautiful balls um kind of looks awkward coming up from a lefty but I actually saw a reel somebody flipped his uh throwing motion to where he's throwing a righty and it looks pretty normal. You're just not used to seeing lefties throw the ball kind of looks like they just kind of whip their arm, but dude's one of the best pocket passers. Um, I've seen in the NCAA in college football, um, over the last 20 years, um, dude's a stud. I hope he gets drafted by a team was like Minnesota where they have some weapons on the outside and you can just sling the ball around. Um, Complete and utter, just stud. Um, and it's probably going to win Washington national championship. Uh, first one in a long time. I think since nineteen ninety
1: one. Yeah, I, I saw that same video you are talking about. Pretty wild seeing seeing throw the ball right. He, it changes your your whole view of him. Uh, definitely like that. I mean, uh, kind of leaning on that. I got I got Jalen Polk over 53.5 receiving yards at a minus 114 line. But I think this game, I mean, if Washington stands a chance, they're going to have to get that offense and just keep the way it's been going. I, I look at the big games this year, the Lap Pac-12 championship, the Sugar Bowl. Polk has hit it the over in both those games. Last game, fairly easy. He's hit it in the majority of the games this year. I mean, almost every big game, he's been a deep ball threat in there. And I think if they're going to have a chance in this game, they're going to take some shots. Um, so I love the Jalen Polk over 53.5 receiving yards. I, I think that's a pretty low. When I saw that total, I was pretty surprised at how low, especially after last game, uh, considering he catches two deep balls from Pennix. The average, you know, is 25, 30 yards downfield. But, um, you know, I, I like Polk here. I like the Pennix. I think Washington's going to have a, a pretty big offensive game to have a chance in this one.
0: I I like Polk too. I um, You know, look at this. He's only gone under that number once this entire season. Ryan, you mentioned um <clears throat> you mentioned the last two big games he's gone over this pretty easily against Texas. Big thing that stands out to me is arguably you know the best receiver in the draft coming up probably second best behind Maserati Marv um is playing opposite of him and I think Michigan's going to have to pay a lot of attention to Roma Dunze. Um and then you know you've got the emergence of of a tight end uh Westover who's been playing playing really well as of late. Um Adding another option, uh, you know, receiving the ball. Um, speaking towards Penix, uh, we know Ryan loved him at the beginning of the year, so great call, Ryan. You know, you had him doing the Heisman, a lot of people could argue that he should, especially seeing him march his team to the national championship. Um, and, and J Mills, I think, for uh, we'll get a little bit further into this, but for Washington to pull this off, Penix is probably going to have to go for 300 plus, so um, probably a spot on bet there. I'm actually looking uh, – you'll hear my dissection of the game a little bit later, but I'm looking more at um, uh, a game script play here. I'm going with Blake Corum over a 106.5 rushing yards at minus 114. Simply put, you know, Michigan's going to keep the ball on the ground one way or another, um, and, and Washington's run defense really isn't stellar. So I think Corum, while he's only eclipsed this mark, I think once the entire season, he's going to get the carries – and I, I could see him getting going early, um, them keeping Edwards out of the out of the game a little bit more because I think it's going to be a tight game and him eclipsing that that mark, you know, even in the third quarter. So uh, I'm taking a little bit of a tougher one uh, game script wise. I think I think it's going to fit and they will keep the ball on the ground.
1: Uh, I mean I, I think Michigan's gonna have to to try to run the ball in this game. I, I I don't mind that that corn pick at all there. Uh you know, I mean you've seen him the last few games. He's he's carried the rock a good amount for him. So definitely like that one and, and I think that takes us into the next one, the lock of the week. Now I know nat- national championship, you got Michigan's defense. Anytime you see an over, gonna be a little bit tough here, you know, to to throw a lot of money on it. But the main reason I got over 28 first half points in this game, I think it might have been just a 28.5. I still like it, though. Washington's hit this in, I think, almost every game except for two games this year. Last time they haven't hit this in the first half was Arizona State about seven weeks ago. Uh, so I think Washington is the key to this one. They try to get the ball in the air. They're going to hit Polk on and take a couple deep shots to Dudenze and Polk. I think Penix is going to come out sling in. They know they don't want to be stagnant against that Michigan defense. I and mean, you saw what Michigan's defense did to Alabama with those five first-half sacks. They're going to get the ball out quick, try to get the ball running. I, you know, it, Michigan, they're going to – this game is going to come down to if Washington puts up points, Michigan's going to have to match it, which I definitely think they can, and, and I think that over 28 – I mean, you know, you're looking at four touchdowns. You know, I'm hoping they can find the end zone and not kick any field goals there, but even so, I think this is going to be a pretty big first-half scoring You know, the over in general is a little bit high. So the over for the game might be a lot. But I think the fact Washington's hit this in every game but two this year, you know, lets me believe that their offense likes to get it going early, especially in a game of this magnitude.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't hate it. I think Washington's offense is going to be able to move the ball against Michigan. I don't think Michigan's seen a quarterback or an offense like Washington um, all year, and I think it's going to take them a while to figure it out. Um, So I could easily see this game being super high scoring in the first half, Um, and then it kind of slowing down in the second half with the adjustments that Michigan makes on the defensive end. Uh, Great defensive coordinator uh, over at um, Michigan. I think they'll be able to figure some things out and slow Pinnick's down in that offense in the second half, but I think they're going to struggle uh, early on to kind of stop them and figure out what they're doing. Um, and and really it comes down to, like, if you get a strip sack or something, get an easy touchdown by Blake Quorum uh, off a turnover or vice versa. J.J. McCarthy makes a stupid pass like he did um, against Alabama and just dude just doesn't step out of bounds. You get an early uh, seven on the board. Um, it could, again, be just becoming like a, a shootout. Um, J.J. McCarthy is capable of that But rolling into my pick I'm taking Washington plus four and a half I I really don't understand why the line is this high Um, I was going to take the money line But this is lock of the week So uh, I'm just going to take them plus four and a half I don't see how this game isn't within a touchdown um, And even if it I mean, I could see Michigan leading by 11 points um, with like two minutes left, but Washington going down and getting a garbage-time touchdown and covering late. I just don't see this game finishing over a touchdown, so you hope it just doesn't fall on the touchdown mark, and I could easily see this game coming down to uh, overtime or a game-winning field goal by Michigan. So that's kind of my take. If if Washington doesn't it out, I think they easily cover the four and a half.
0: I'll... uh Jay Mills, I like it. Obviously, I'll take it one step further. Um, I'm going plus money for for the uh, lock of the week. I'm taking Washington money line plus 160. <clears throat> Michigan's going to be able to run the ball. I already touched on that, but it's a Huskies team that's much better in the secondary and have started to generate a much better pass rush as of late. And I think that's going to kind of it's going to have an impact on the Michigan offense where they're going to shy away from throwing the ball. And then you look on the flip side. Yeah, Michigan's got a phenomenal defense. Their statistics are incredible. You could go on all day about those. But the best two quarterbacks that the Wolverines have faced all season were, you could say, Jalen Milrow, who's not much of a passer, or Talia Tagovailoa, which either one is a far cry from Michael Penix Jr., who can make all the throws and has the best receiving core in the country. And then... Going to that game against Maryland, Michigan struggled in its only game against a really competent passing attack, and they they won that game by just a touchdown. Um, it was on the road, but uh, it's it's a whole different animal against Washington. I'm a huge, huge believer in Kalen DeBoer and his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb. I think they're a special combination. Um, very underrated coaches, considering... Kalen DeBoer coming from, you know, what what was it, NAIA ball and winning 60 out of 63 games. But we've liked Washington all year. We touched on Ryan having Penix as his his Heisman pick. They feel like a team of destiny after two tight wins against Oregon and a great uh, showing against Texas last week. And at the end of the game, you've heard me say this throughout the year, but when I think it's a tight game, I'm going to pick the team with a quarterback that I feel can get it done at the end of the game with the game on the line. And to me, that's Michael Penix Jr. rather than Supreme Game Manager J.J. McCarthy. So I'm rolling with uh, the Huskies to take it, take down the national championship for the first time in what 30 30 plus years. Um, and and I'll just take us right 30, into our 33 years. 33. Okay, so 30 1991 <laughs> 91. Yeah, some of us weren't even born then. <laughs> but uh, I'll <laughs> that's I'll, I'll throw Yeah uh i'll roll that into i think i may have been the only one alive at that point but uh i'll roll that into our sgps of the week um and i'll stay with a, a common theme here um taking washington plus three and a half and i'm i'm going with uh an alt under um that's an alt line there and all under 61 i touched on why i think washington's gonna win this game um but it's a it's it contrast Ryan's over in the first half a little bit I, I think you look at the Huskies you say oh every game's going to go over uh, but I'll buy some points up primarily because of Michigan's defense and their run game um, they're going to have success on the ground and I don't think they're going to be behind enough in this game to, to go to the pass early leading the clock to start draining faster um, and, and I don't think it's going to be required for them to consistently test the secondary of the Huskies Washington's O-line just passed a huge test against uh, Texas's Amazing, uh, you know, front and and handled th- things very well from pass protection. Um, but you know, Michigan's a bit of a different animal. So even though they've got an elite group of receivers and they're going up with their toughest test, they're still going to need to have a balanced game. And and Michigan's been able to bottle up a lot of quarterbacks. So I think that's going to lead to a, a, a lower lower number of points total. Um, I just don't see this game being played in the 30s. So I'm going to go ahead and, and par- parlay those for plus 186. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, the front end of my single game parlay is is plus four and a half Washington. Similar as you guys have talked about. I mean, Jamieel said it earlier. I just I see this game being a close one, even if Michigan's up eleven, scoring a touchdown late. I love the four and a half points there. I think that's a great line to get, especially if it comes down to a field goal at the end. Um, and then I had that first half over. Um, you know, like I said, I think they're going to get points early. I, I, I do think they are going to take, Washington's going to take some shots. I, I do, you know, agree with you what you said about Michigan. I think they can try to control the game, keep it on the ground, you know, and, and take the shots when they need it. But I, I actually bought down the opposite of you uh, to the uh, all over 47.5 to add to that parlay to put up plus 160. I just think if they hit that first half total of 28 points, I mean, you're expecting less than 20 points in the entire second half. You know, I think in an ideal world, for our bets, we have Washington win this game, and, and it ends up around fifty-two <laughs> points. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I agree with you though. I mean, the regular over/under is pretty high. I didn't feel fully comfortable with that as well. I bought down a few points in the parlay. I see you did it on the opposite end. I see this game being a pretty back-and-forth game. You know, maybe one team stretches it to two touchdowns, but right away the other team is going to capitalize. So. Uh, yeah, I got the Washington plus four and a half and the alt over 47.5 at plus 160. I think it's going to be a close one and definitely think there'll be a lot of points early, which will help get that over.
2: Yeah, I mean, we all kind of like Washington. Um, I'm pretty confident Washington wins this game, I'm um, taking the money line plus Pinnock's over 291.5, which is a normal line passing. Um, for Washington to win this game, he's going to have to go over that line. So I really don't think that's an issue. Uh, basically you're taking Washington to win, in my opinion, is kind of how I look at this bet because the appendix doesn't go over 291. I don't see how they win this game um, unless somehow he got hurt early on and their backup just comes in and balls out, which isn't going to happen. So um, I love that at plus uh, 320. You're pretty much boosting that money line up, in my opinion.
0: Uh, Like both of it, uh, fascinatingly enough, all three of our parlays – could hit. We don't have anything too crazy. Ryan and I need that 12, 13 points in there between between uh, 48 and 60. Um, but we're all on Washington. So, you know, hopefully the books don't, don't screw us over when when it's all said and done. Um, and, and I'll just go ahead and jump right over to uh, our NFL Week 18, Segment One Anyone, Anytime, Anywhere picks. I'll lead it off here. I'm keeping it simple this week, taking just one guy. Looking at Najee Harris, ATD, his line's moved down to plus 120. So, you know, if you're going to ride this, grab it while you can. Um, Big thing here for me is you look at uh, the personnel moves of the Steelers, mainly getting rid of Matt Canada. Um, And then, (laughs) interestingly enough, Mason Rudolph becoming the starting quarterback. Since Canada was let go, running backs coach Eddie Faulkner was promoted to the Interim O.C., and the Steelers offense has jumped up to 17th in EPA per play. Um, and over those six games with him as interim OC, Harris is now averaging nearly 17 carries for over 70 rushing yards and has scored four of six games um, ra- compared to just under 13 carries and under 50 yards and only scoring three times in 10 games with Matt Canada. So to me, this is a schematic play. I know Baltimore's defense is typically stingy, but I think they're gonna they're gonna rest some guys as we move into the playoffs. And I see Najee uh, diving into the end zone for one here. Yeah,
1: I, I think Najee's kind of come alive recently. I definitely think they're they're feeding him here. Um, you know, I think the Steelers are pretty favored in this game. Just with the Ravens kind of throwing the towel late, I, I do see them running the ball a lot, especially in the red zone. On my anytime touchdown, I got Jonathan Taylor and Mike Evans. Uh, I'm pretty big on Mike Evans this week. I'll talk a lot about that a little bit more as well in the prop block and drop it. I think that's, you know, a big game for him against the Panthers need a win. I don't think they're going to mess around. He's also been the key to them winning this year in a lot of those games. And a lot of it has come down to him scoring a touchdown. He's got 13 on the year. Majority of those are coming post week 10. You know, I think late in the season especially against a team like the Panthers when they get to the red zone they're going to their guy and that's going to be Evans and then Jonathan Taylor uh he had a couple weeks off with an injury but the last two weeks he's come alive two touchdowns in the last two games one in each you know i think this is a game the the Colts need to win against the Texans um you know it's it's a big game for them to have a chance in that division as well as i think Jonathan Taylor's just similar to Mike Evans you get in the red zone there's yeah they could go to Pittman but I think the Colts don't want Menchu really throwing the ball as much in the red zone. They're going to be giving it off to Jonathan Taylor and and letting him run it up the gut. So I like those at plus 220. Both of them had a lot of touchdowns recently and and should be pretty big favorites to to hit it this week.
2: Yeah, um, I love JT, one of my favorite players in the NFL. And Mike Evans, um, I mean probably the most underrated uh, receiver in the NFL over the last 10 years. Dude just goes for a thousand yards every year and never talked about as a top five receiver. Very rarely. Um, People kind of just kind of push him off. I know like he's very highly thought of, but he's never put in that top five, even though he does it with any quarterback that he's given. So love Mike Evans. Never, never complains about getting the ball or anything just goes out there and balls out. So since the college days back at Texas A&M with uh, Johnny football himself, Mm -hmm. um, I'm rolling with the Montgomery anytime touchdown, uh, one of my favorite running backs. Uh, dude, he's going to get five carries inside the five. Uh, he's going to get a touchdown. The Lions score a lot, uh, put up a lot of points. They need this victory this week, and Montgomery should score. Um, has a lot of touchdowns this year on the ground. Not too many in there, but should get one on the ground. And then I'm rolling with the, a guy that's kind of playing for uh, – Kind of playing for his job, maybe in Chicago. Um, Justin Fields to score a touchdown. Most likely it'll be a rushing touchdown. Doubt they end up throwing him a pass or something, but you never know. Um, <laughs> and that puts you up to plus uh, 358. Um, Fields is just, in the last two games, he scored a touchdown. Um, he's been on a roll. He's actually played really well um after starting the season off very bad. I know Brandon probably has some takes on that. Um mm-hmm. he can get to um I think that they should go out and draft Caleb Williams, but the keep fields they keep fields. We'll see what happens. Um but those are my two guys to score any time touchdowns at uh, plus three fifty eight.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Fields, Fields finishing out the season. They've been, Bears have been playing pretty good football the last couple of weeks and see him finish it up strong and see what the Bears do next year, especially in that position. And then Montgomery. I mean, you know, love Montgomery. Guys that guy's a terror around the red zone, give him the rock, see what he does. So don't mind that there. That'll lead us into the prop block and drop it. talked about him earlier with the touchdown. Talk about him again. I got Mike Evans over 61.5. He's averaging just over 77 yards a game this year. He's 10th in the league in receiving yards. J. Mills said it. I mean, he's he's an underrated guy the last 10 years, almost every year. They go to him in big situations. I think Mayfield, he's the type of quarterback who, when in doubt, gets some pressure. He's going to throw it to his tall receiver on the outside. Last time they played the Panthers, it was actually a pretty close game. They only won by three. Evans had 162 yards and a touchdown. Threw to him seven times, you know, I or threw him twelve times, had seven receptions. I, I think in a game like this, when the Buccaneers need a win, and I talked about it earlier, they're going to go to Mike Evans. He's going to be the guy. Sixty-one and a half. Saw this line was licking my chops. I mean, that's that seems good to me. I think you know it, the one thing that scares me here is if the Bucks get up early, yeah. But I think this is a game where they're not going to play around at all. They they would end up winning this game by forty if they can, just to solidify themselves and, and put themselves in the best position in that division. And I and I love Mike Evans this week to have a big game, both touchdown, you know, maybe a hundred yards, one touchdown, big game. I think fan, most fantasies are done, but if he was on your fantasy team, he'd, he'd have a good one this week.
2: Yeah, um, don't need to say much more about Mike Evans. You see that we both like him. Um, I'm I'm giving you guys two options. Um, you guys choose it because the first one's kind of ugly, even though it's hit the last two weeks very easily. Um, Mason Rudolph himself, um, alternate line over two twenty five. Um, it gets it's plus two hundred five. Just hear me out. He's he's went over this number the last two games, going 290 in his first start and then 274 last week. Um, he's throwing deep balls to Pickens. Um, you're going to be playing a Ravens team that's in the playoffs. They're kind of out of it, playing their backup secondary um, in a must-win game for the Steelers. I think that they're going to be able to throw the ball on them. Um, I think that they'll be able to put up some points uh, against a team that really is kind of just playing to play. Um, so... I think two over 225 is pretty easy considering he's probably going to throw one deep ball to Pickens for 60 yards um, at some point during the game. So you're looking at only having to get 160 the rest of the game. Um, so I don't mind that line at all. If you don't want to take someone as bad, you can take Golf over a 250 alternate line at plus 140. So those are my two alternate line bets that I like this week. So I'll run either one.
0: I, I don't know much more to say. I mean, Goff's hit that eleven of seventeen games this year, um, even against some tougher defenses. He did it last week against Minnesota. I mean, he's done it each of the last three weeks. Um, Rudolph is obviously a little bit more interesting to me. You get that two twenty five though at, at uh, over plus two hundred odds. Um, it's definitely something to take a long, long hard look at. Uh, I'm I'm going with what might be I think maybe most interesting, possibly my favorite bet uh, of the week. Dalton Schultz over four and a half receptions at minus one Oh five. So hear me out here. Uh, Dalton Schultz contract incentive bonus of $250,000 relies on him hitting six receptions this year. He needs 60. He's got 54, which almost lines up perfectly for him to hit this number um, with, with five receptions. So if you want to get a little feisty, go ahead and take this up to five and a half because you know, he's had five plus, uh, receptions in eight of 14 games six plus and six of 14 against Indianapolis in week two he we had seven targets for four catches and the Colts are the eighth worst uh, team in the NFL in receptions per game to opposing tight ends and you know CJ Stroud there's nothing you know Schultz has been there for him over the course of this year aside from the games he's he's been hurt and you you can only guess that Stroud is gonna look for his guy, um, you know, continue winning that team and that, that city over. And I, I think Schultz will get peppered some targets early. Um, I may ladder this up to five and a half, over five and a half and and uh and see if I can hit both of those. So really like Dalton Schultz this week. Um for my prop lock and drop it.
2: Yeah. Um I mean the only thing with that is, and I think they'll get him the targets, I think he'll have a good game. Um, hopefully, if they need a lead, it'll for sure hit because it's one of those things that, you know, C.J. Stroud, rookie, um, rookie's going to want to get people under his wing. So if they have a lead at all um, and they're able to draw something up at the end of the game, they'll throw him, like, two screen passes just to get him the bonus. Hmm. Um, sometimes I wonder how, like, owners feel about that because they're <laughs> just giving them free money. But, I mean, the NFL's making so much money, who do you care? You know, as long as your team's yeah. winning, then you're making more money. So, yeah. um but I think that should hit. Uh, those are actually I, – I forgot about that. I mean, go look at the incentives, uh, especially for these teams and games that don't matter. Um, go look at those things because they're going to get these guys, their targets, they're going to get them their numbers. So if you're looking at somebody who needs like whatever, five catches for an incentive, I guarantee you if their quarterback is going to throw them a lot of uh, a lot of screen passes or quick slants just to give them some uh, catches. So that kind of rolls us in our next segment, um, the tortoise and the hare. Um, I'm rolling with a game, a uh, revenge game, uh, what it, be what it is, um, for uh, Jarrett Stidham. Um, going back to the Raiders, um, Raiders' defense has been great um, under interim coach. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um,
0: Antonio Pierce. <clears throat> Antonio yeah, Pierce. I don't, know why I, just, yeah, I don't know why I drew a name, uh, blank
2: <laughs> on his name. Uh, seems to be able to, a great motivator, uh, kind of like a little Mike Tomlin uh, type coach um just being able to just get his guys to play for him play hard um so we'll see if he gets the job i think they should at least give him a shot give him a two-year contract see what happens but i'm taking under 38 i just don't really see how jared stidham and aiden o'connell put up more than 38 points as long as you don't get some stupid thing like happened on christmas i don't even know what was going on um or sorry that was a week before christmas with all the pick sixes and uh the charges are just Given the ball over in the red zone three straight times, and my you have the under, and it it goes over in the first half, uh, first quarter, uh, never good. Um, but I, I just think this game is going to be a, a just pound the football, pound the rock, um, take a couple shots here and there to Devonte Adams um, and Jerry Judy. But under thirty eight and eight thirty eight should hit for sure.
0: I'm not too worried about it. But. I'm I'm right there with you, right in lockstep, Jay Mills. I'm also targeting this under 38, so also going with the tortoise this week. Uh, you mentioned it, Jared Stidham, Aiden O'Connell, two low volume passing offenses. Uh, you also mentioned I think it could be a very ugly team. Both teams play at a bottom ten pace of play. Denver's got some injuries uh, to their their receiving core, which is you know even more worrisome. That's going to need Stidham to likely play from behind this week um both teams just and he mentioned run first and one one kind of interesting stat since antonio pierce took over the raiders have the number one run defense uh per se- success rate so i think they're going to be able to, to to shut down uh the the broncos from all angles and i expect a low scoring game there
1: yeah you know i mean anytime i see an under with my raiders it's a little disappointing but uh Kinda of agree with you guys there. Raiders last week, you know, they had I think a twenty percent, you know, maybe fourteen percent. I'm gonna be a little biased there. About fourteen percent chance of still making the playoffs, lost to the Colts. So, you know, this week can't couldn't agree with you guys more. Think that game's gonna be a, a low scoring one. Mine is is what some people are calling the, the game of the week, the matchup of the week with Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold. It's almost like a, a toilet bowl of teams in the playoffs, Rams at the 40 ers uh no shock here under 41 i mean this the, just that that title right there itself could have probably explained why i'm going the under i think this game's going to be a lot of guys a lot of people benched in this game rams solidified their playoff spot i don't think they can move much 49ers already clinched home field i just see this game being a game both teams want to get out with no injuries they're going to put in some guys probably haven't played that much this year you know it's it's in santa clara not that that has much to do with it, but you know nothing good ever happens in Santa Clara, so I can't imagine there's a lot of points. They're probably <laughs> going to be a low-scoring game, and uh, I think under 41 is pretty safe bet here. I see this game being a, a 10-13 ball game going down to the wire. Carson Wentz game-winning drive to beat the Niners.
2: Yeah, that that pretty much rolls us into our next segment, and I'll uh, touch on that with my my next bet. So. <laughs> Uh, we got dog days. Of, we got dog days of fall, um, so I got to take the underdogs. Um, I'm rolling with the same game. I'm taking the Rams over the Niners. Um, Niners are checked out, man. They're on a two week buy. Um, clinched the number one seed last week with uh, Kyler Murray uh, pulling a clutch win against Philly. Um, what a great way to end Sunday. Um, the, the Niners are checked out. Rams are pretty much checked out. They could really care less if they go have to go play the Lions or if they have to go play. Uh, the Cowboys um, But we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what Who Sam Darnold is And if he's going to either sign with the Niners Next year or not And Carson Wentz is playing for His career um, He needs to come out and have a good game Or he's probably not Going to be in the NFL next year Um so we'll see what happens with this game. I think the Rams win easily. I don't think the Niners are playing any of their starters. They don't have any depth on the within the corners. Um, I think they'll be able to be beat over the top of Puka, who's starting the game. Once Puka hits four catches and over 39 yards and breaks both the all-time uh, receiving record by a rookie for receptions and um, yards, he'll be out of the game. But Tutu Atwell, and those guys will be able to beat us over the top. Um, and I think the plus-162 number is just too juicy to take that. I don't really see how the Niners are that big of favorites um, with no no Trent, horrible backups on the offensive line, uh, no CMC, probably no Debo, probably no Brandon. Even if they play, they're not going to play very much. Um, none of their starters are playing. Traverius Ward on the back end. I just, don't, I just don't see how they're that big of favorites against a Rams team that's young and they're hungry.
0: We have talked about it all year. You know, these dog days of fall picks are always tough. Um and, and so first and foremost, James, I'm staying away from this game, but I'm gonna go back to something you said all the way back in our preseason, uh, about the Rams. And I think your your quote was they have the worst depth in the NFL. And uh so so I'm gonna wrong. I'm gonna Play this back against you here and play devil's advocate and just say, if it's a battle of depth or even team culture, do you really want to go against the Niners in this spot? I don't know. I don't want to give you too hard of a time, but uh, I I think that was one of the teams I hit on uh, for outperforming their expectations. And um, so so I should be on them with you there, but I think it's just a crapshoot when you got all these backups in
2: yeah stafford stay healthy and those rookies are they drafted well puka i mean who would have, who would have guessed
0: puka is the best rookie receiver in the last what 50 years probably yeah keeper keeper leagues dynasty leagues if you scored puka congratulations i think James, you've got them in our league uh so I congrats like on three that. dynasty leagues <laughs> that's that's uh cash money for a few years. Um, wouldn't be wouldn't be a penultimate uh, at least college football podcast or you know NFL regular season podcast if I didn't go with my team the Chicago Bears money line at the Green Bay Packers plus one thirty six Packers haven't played an offense this dangerous in a while back to back slew of struggling quarterbacks this past month um, and the defense still has given up big scores to Carolina Tampa Bay New York Giants um, the the Packers have a ton of injuries to their skill players especially the receivers. And I don't think they're gonna be able to punch back. The Bears have really started to step things up. Their defense is, is been one of the top defenses in the league the last few weeks. Now that they've gotten healthy, they got Montez Sweat, who's top five, I believe, in sacks. Um, I don't know if it's gonna be an offensive slug fest, but I think the Bears defense is gonna do enough. I think they're gonna go into Green Bay, the one of the biggest, uh, you know, hyped up rivalry games of all time, albeit not for for much on the line this year. And and we mentioned off the top, uh, Justin, with Fields, your A T D pick, um He's got he's got something to play for. And the Bears as a team, as a staff, um, you know, as a as an organization, I think have something to play for here. Not to say Green Bay doesn't because it's a rivalry game, but I think Green Bay knows who they are a little bit more than the Bears do going forward. Who's going to be in that in, in Hallis hall? Who's not uh, next year? And and so I, I think they they pulled out and, and uh, bank us some plus money. To, to be completely honest
2: real quick ryan this is the worst case scenario i think for both these teams is if the bears win go on a win streak at the end of the year and green bay loses their last game and jordan love doesn't pull through and make the playoffs because then you got question marks with the bears do we roll with fields he ended the season with five and one i believe would be in the last six games um like do we roll with him the rest like and not draft caleb like do we draft Caleb? I don't know. And then you got you go on the love side. You're like, is Jordan Love the guy? Like he's shown flashes, but he can't win a big game against the Chicago Bears. Like you can't beat the Chicago Bears to make the playoffs. Like, so I, I don't know. Worst case scenario for these teams. Uh, I really hope it happens for you, but it make for an interesting <laughs> off season.
1: Definitely an, an interesting game. Coming down to the the rivalries at the end of the division. I mean, shoot, you said it. That one's that one's a big one there and. Bear, I mean, Bears are on a roll right now. You know, personally, I'd love to see the Packers take care of business and slide into the playoffs, but, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that game going either way, especially the way the Bears are playing with Field's job on the line. Uh, my dog days of fall, I think one of the closest lines, Almost, I think it's basically a pick em. Colts are slight underdogs. I got Colts money line at home against the Texans. This is, I mean, other than the Bills, Dolphins, this is really one of those games, you know, whoever wins is is most likely in. Not only that, but if the Jags lose, whoever wins has has a chance at that division. So, I, I think this game is going to be a, a big one this week. Menchu took care of my Raiders last week. That's the main reason I'm leaning that way. Anytime you can beat the Raiders, you know, I mean, that shows good things about your team. I also think that that offense is is moving the ball pretty well. One thing that scares me about this, Stroud being back last week, he played well against the Texans or the Titans. Defense looks stout, looks good, only allowing three points. I think the Texans are a team that wants to show that they're on the rise and, and make the playoffs, but I think Menchu's a gamer. Guy's going to have a, a drive late in that game and, and prove that he deserves to be that that starter who who came in after Richardson went out. I, I like the Colts in this game. I think uh, another big thing here is is a division game, end of the season, playoffs on the line, Colts at home. You get the home atmosphere in Indianapolis. You know, Lucas Oil Stadium. It's not as big a difference as college playing home and away games, but I do think in a, in a rivalry game like that, it can help. So I got the Colts money line at home, send them to the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe in the, the Jags lose a an upset game and, and the Colts slide in as division champs. But I, I think the Colts are going to take care of business at home next week.
2: Yeah, this is one of those games to be watching. I mean, it has a lot of playoff implications. Um, I think I don't know. I just think this is a game. It's a pick'em, right? So um this kind of rolls us into the next uh segment that we have. Uh go ahead and cue it up, Brandon. <laughs> uh, the lock of the week. Again, uh me and Ryan always uh always have uh, opposite picks. So <laughs> kind of screws you guys if you guys are trying to write all our bets because it's impossible. I guess you could, but um you're going to have to choose this time. Um, I got Houston minus one at the Colts. Uh, Colts have been a great story this year. I just think I'm really just picking the better quarterback, right? I think C.J. Stroud is uh, looking like um, going to be the best quarterback in that division going forward for a while unless T-Law gets his stuff together. Uh, big letdown for Trevor Lawrence this year. Um I know he's been banged up, but he's looked atrocious. At um but minus one, I'm taking that at minus one ten. Um I think Houston beats the Colts. I just think they're a better all around team, uh better coach team on defense with the talent they have. Um the the things the Colts are on the come up though. Um if Anthony Richardson can stay healthy, they have a great offensive mind at uh, head coach. Um but we've also been saying that about the Colts for the last what eight years. So we'll see what really happens. But I like Houston minus one.
1: Yeah, uh, you know I already had my thoughts on that game. I do agree though. I think <laughs> it's a pick'em. I think that game's going to come down to the wire. But you know we got to keep track of the the Jay Mills and I's head to head, and and I think he's mm-hmm. I think he's on top as of recent. So you might want to lean that we'll way. Have but have a,
2: we'll have to have a 24, <laughs> uh, 24 record twenty twenty four record.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Don't count
2: out Gardner Mench.
1: The guy's been doing it since college, you know, greasy quarterback <laughs> back there, throws the football. Uh, <laughs> but my lock of the week, I got the Saints minus three at home against the Falcons. Um, you know, I think I think the Saints need the the Bucks to lose against the Panthers, which is going to be a little bit tough here. But I think, you know, games are going at the same time. They're going to be playing all out to get the win. You know, with the Saints, it really comes down to, can they score in the red zone? Um, you know, all, all year that's been one of their struggles. They'll get down the field and, and sometimes, you know, other than Taysom Hill, they don't really know what to do with the ball. Um, you know, I, I think the main reason here is I, I big anti-Falcons. I, that team, they've lost three of their last four. They can't really get much going on offense. You know, I mean, they lost to the Panthers about two weeks ago, put up seven points. You know, last week against the Bears, putting up 17, losing to Chicago. I think the Saints are, are the better, better football team. And if that team can put the ball in the end zone, in the red zone, which I think they will this week, considering the implications, they're going to give themselves a shot. Still think the Buccaneers end up on top of that division, but uh, you know they're, they're able to make things interesting with a win. And, and those games going on at the same time will be really interesting to see. Definitely will have my mm-hmm. my red zone octobox on to watch them. But uh, I like the Saints at home, minus three this week, to just take care of business and put it in the Bucks the hands to see what happens.
0: Yeah, take a look at their week 12 matchup in Atlanta. It was a 24 15 win for Atlanta. So everyone would probably look there. But you got to remember the Saints kicked five field goals in that game, right? They didn't even score a touchdown. And since then, they've been putting up, you know, 24, 23 plus points. Um, I think they're finding ways to get in the end zone, and that's going to be the difference here. They're, they are playing for something. Um, they, do, they need the Bucks to lose, which will roll into my next pick. But I actually like that minus three, um, even minus two and a half, if you think it's going to be an especially close game. Um, but I don't think it will ultimately matter because my pick, I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Minus four and a half is my lock of the week at minus 110 over the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, they had a terrible performance last Sunday. Um, you know, in a game that I believe they could have clinched the the division. Um, 23-13 loss to the the uh, aforementioned Saints. But I think they're going to start attacking early, chasing that playoff spot. Um, the Panthers' defense has been an okay group this year statistically, but a lot of those marks are inflated due to the fact that they're always chasing. They've been playing from behind the entire year teams throw fewer times against Carolina than any other team uh, under 50% of the time in the NFL. That's absurd. Uh, the real matchup advantage I see is the Bucks defense. They're, they're still one of the stingiest against the run. They're going to put a lot of pressure uh, by being stingy against the run on Bryce young to make plays. He's had a lot of ups and downs. And, and I think I, I don't, I don't have faith in him to elevate his offense enough to, to cover this. The, um, d- Tampa Bay's defense and their roster is full of veterans who have been there before they've won it before their head coach um, has been in in a lot of spots like this um and and i just trust them to step up win this game by a touchdown going away make the playoffs and, and another uh i gotta shout myself out again jay mills another one of my preseason you know these were this was somebody that everyone thought was going to finish last and i came in saying i think they're going to I didn't know if they were going to win, but I thought they could finish second in this conference. And sure enough, they're, they've got a chance to, to take it down at the end of the year. So uh, didn't place any bets on it, but I, I, I got to go back to my analysis early on this year. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and just roll that in after I gave myself a, a shameless shout out into our final <laughs> segment, uh, our final betting segment of the week, our parlays of the week. Um, I guess I'm going to keep it simple for a for, uh, listener's sake. And I'm just going to say parlay all five of my picks here. I'm not taking any alt lines this week. I'm not doing any um, other than the Bears. I'm basically, Najee Harris, ATD, Schultz over four and a half catches. Um, Broncos, Raiders under 38, Bears money line, uh, Tampa minus four and a half. And that'll get you plus plus thirty-six twenty-seven. So if you want to put your faith in me this week, um, take those five picks and, and run it back for a parlay.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if those are hitting, you're going to have yourself a, a heck of a, a heck of a weekend. That'll be a, a nice, nice payday. To start off the new year. Mine somewhat similar at the beginning. I mean, I, like I said, I'm I'm really liking Mike Evans this week. I got his over 61.5 on receiving yards. I have him scoring a touchdown. I think just that the caliber of that game. I, I love that there. I also have the Steelers' money line against the Ravens. Ravens are going to have all backups in. Steelers won to win. I think the Steelers take care of business there. Maybe even Mason Rudolph throws for, for 300 yards. We'll see, J. Mills. But um, And then to, to round it out, I got the Eagles' money line at the Giants. Eagles, we haven't talked much about that. They have not looked like the Eagles the last so many weeks. I've lost some crucial games. I mean, this was a team that had people had a Super Bowl favorites halfway through the season kind of falling off a little bit I think they get back on track this week take care of the Giants you know i I think that division's still tied with the Cowboys I, I can see the Cowboys winning though and taking that but I think the Eagles need a win this week just to just to get some momentum going into the playoffs and and have a little bit of you know faith back and, and hurts in that offense so I, I like the Eagles to round that out getting us to about plus 920. Um, solid parlay there but a lot of it riding on Mike Evans having a big one
2: yeah, I like both of you guys' parlays. Mine's very simple. Uh, two alternate lines. And it gets you up to basically 25 to 1. Um, we're going with Gabe Davis, big, big game Gabe, over 80 yards against the Dolphins, which should be a shootout. Um, and Gabe Davis just seems to be one of those type of receivers that shows up in this game, especially with Ramsey, going to be probably following around uh, Diggs all game. I think Gabe should be able to bust one um for 50 yards against this team uh out of the slot or whatnot so 80 yards uh, that's plus 750 and then we got mason rudolph over 225 at plus 205 that brings you up to uh, basically 2492 so basically 25 to one just you need two things and and if you hit mason rudolph early you got something to watch for uh come sunday night football um one of the most watched games probably of the year um I mean, this is – Bills can win and get in the, and win the division and be the two-seed after all the stuff they've went through this year, or they could lose and possibly be out of the playoffs. So um, a lot of a lot of things that can go down in this game. But Gabe Davis seems to show up in these big games.
0: One last big bang for uh, for the regular season, at least, uh, with these parlays of the week. So <clears throat> good luck heading into into Week 18. That will close out our betting blocks um, for, for Episode 33. But uh, as many of you listeners know, we've been uh, running it back with our goats and our bums of the week. So I'll kick it off with a goat of the week. December 28th, 2023, a day that will live in infamy for all of eternity. A day that we saw the greatest mascot in the history of sports step onto the field. It began with a Taylor Swift-esque entrance and ended with near cannibalism. We saw this guy running around the field, slapping refs on the butt, dancing next to countless <laughs> countless players and coaches. The Pop-Tart mascot is my goat of the week and maybe my goat of forever. That was one of the most entertaining things I've seen. I think that Pop-Tart uh, bowl game is going to go and immediately be one of the most watched games every year as long as they're still sponsoring it I think it was the the fourth most watched bowl uh, game of of bowl week three which included you know all of the the uh, big matchups supposedly with Georgia Florida State and and Ohio State Missouri etc so uh, shout out to to Pop-Tart Bowl um, and my Wildcats taking it down but what a what a uh, fun fun thing to watch with the Pop-Tart mascot.
1: I was gonna say it. It sounds like a Kansas State fan was a you know you were a big fan of the Pop Tart. I don't know if NC State was is quite a big. Have you, watching have you the seen Pop-Tart the memes? Go down. <laughs> watching the, the Pop Tart mascot go down in and in an edible Pop Tart come out. Pretty incredible. Uh, are we thinking that game might make the might make the playoff? It might be one of the playoff bowl games coming up. I mean, who knows?
0: Maddie, make it the Maddie <laughs> Pop um, <our> National
2: Championship. <laughs> yeah.
1: My, Mine, you know, I know some Florida State fans, if you're listening out there, might not love this, but I got the, the college football playoff committee. I think with those games, I mean, you know, you can argue it one way, you can argue it the other, but having both the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl come down the way they did to the end of the games, I mean, it was an incredible day of football. That Rose Bowl, I mean, couldn't, I mean, I, you know, if you're not a Michigan fan, could have wrote up that ending a little better, but... Going to overtime, just down to the wire, you know coming down to the final plays, and then the Washington Texas game coming down right to the end Texas having a chance you know as much as you know Florida State could have been in Georgia could have been in you know whatever you' think having those type of games in the playoff I mean that's what the playoffs about uh so I think you know whatever way your argument though it was a fun fun way to watch those games the committee I was watching it from Hawaii myself so might have been a little bit better had a couple of my ties in me, but absolute Incredible, incredible for college football. Just, just having those caliber games. I mean, you saw Herb Street talk about how he thinks the Rose Bowl should be where the national championships moving forward. L.A. Rose Bowl. I mean, Sugar Bowl. Incredible. So, I think, I think they did it well, and I think the the college football playoff committee. You know, I, I, no one likes them. I don't like them myself, but they they, they had some good matchups there.
2: Yeah, and I don't really know if their job's going to get easier next year with playoffs because it start it starts getting even harder to choose the teams as you like move down the board. You're like, who's the who's the 16th seed or the 12th seed? Like, they're both not very good, so their job's going to get harder. So hopefully, they can uh maybe uh figure something out, maybe smoke some weed or something and figure it all out. I don't know. Um, my my go to the week man is just a guy whose career was uh, kind of had a very sad ending to it, and you're like ah oh, this dude like he won a Super Bowl kind of kind of an average quarterback throughout his career, but got hot, won a Super Bowl, and he just fell off after that. Um, and he he had some sad years with the Jets. Um, and it just shows you how inept the jets are as a franchise um joe flacco dude give a shout out to him he should be back player of the year uh coming off the couch and bringing life back to the cleveland browns uh and, and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if the browns won a playoff game or two so I, I just love to see it good way to end his career sounds like he already uh kind of made up in his mind that this is the this is the end of his career so uh, good way to, for his kids to see him go out a uh, good way for his family to go out, and just just cool, cool little ending for his career, uh, for a quarterback that really, um, it's kind of a mid, middle of the pack quarterback over the last fifteen years. But um,
0: great way to end his career. Love to see it. Yeah, it uh, it should definitely give um, Demar Hamlin a run for his money, but uh, we'll we'll see what the the, the committee, the voters think. Um, that'll roll us into our bums of the week, and sticking with my college football theme touching a little bit on, on college football committee uh, comment there. I'm, I'm going with the bum of the week is the Florida state opt outs. uh, They had something crazy. I I don't know if I have the exact number, but almost their entire uh, set of starting offense and defense opted out aside from one D lineman. Um, You know, they're down to their third string quarterback. You kind of thought going into this game, if they put up a a fight um, against a, almost a fully healthy Georgia team um, with their third stringer, they could still have an argument, uh, but they they kind of just they kind of lay down, and um, I, I put that on the guys that didn't want to finish out an undefeated season and have at least a a verbal claim over over the national championship. So. Um, Good riddance, good riddance to those guys. Uh, I don't know that you'll be missed, <laughs> at least by that coaching staff. Um, but hopefully they, they have another shot in the future to uh, to get back to that, that playoff.
1: Yeah, absolutely there. I mean, like I said, you know, you can argue the playoff whatever way, but the, the Florida State thats I watched the beginning of that game going, wow, this looks like a different team. And, I mean, it really was. They were missing – You know, like you said, 20 plus guys, that's that's a whole different football football team. Um, You know, my bum of the week, whatever way you want to draw it up, Lions versus Cowboys, the game, the refs, you know, however that was at the end there, I was actually watching it with a Lions fan. So I might have got, you know, a little biased on that, just watching the end of that. Also anti-Cowboys. But, you know, Decker supposedly not reporting videos of him talking to the refs. Um, you know, earlier in the game, there was a call, the Cowboys were arguing that, you know, they got called wrong. They called, uh, I believe the tight end on tripping when Hutchinson was the one who it was pretty obviously going for the trip. Uh, you know, the, the, refs have now been downgraded. They're, they're not going to be doing any of the playoff games, which I think is rightfully so Brad Allen's crew will not be doing any of the big games, but you know, that all that controversy there, the, the ending of that game, the refs, I mean at least from what I saw, it looked pretty obvious with the way he goes up and reports, you know, but uh, you know, even the Cowboys had arguments over the ref's call earlier in the game kind of lead into that. So I just think those referees, you know, I didn't know his name prior, but Brad Allen's crew, luckily they won't be doing the playoffs, but definitely a, a disappointing ending for the lions fans and, and just, you know, dis- disappointing when it comes down to some of those calls like that at the end of the game.
0: Especially when you yeah. have Lions money line on the game. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
2: what a what a what a what a fitting way to end uh, 2023 uh, after all the bitching about the refs and the refs just uh, just auto just blow a game at the end of the game. I mean, when Dude, it comes down to refs, I just what I really don't understand is like the NFL has so much money, and you know you're watching the college football playoff, and then like you're kind of seeing these things that college does, and they're like they like. We'll just like randomly just be like, the ball needs to be moved back a yard. Somebody told us that this happened and it's not a first down. And you're like, well, because you're watching the NFL game at home and you're like, clearly can see like, oh, that's that's not a catch. Right. Like like last year in the NFC championship game, you have Devontae Smith drop the football. Like, it wasn't even close to a catch. Kyle Shannon should have challenged. He doesn't. And it's like, why isn't there just somebody, like a like couple extra refs in the booth that are just not just like randomly like in the earplug? Hey, that was actually an incomplete pass. Bring it back. Like, it's not that difficult. Like, yeah. they are hard enough. Like, I understand you're going to miss calls on the field, but there definitely should be somebody up on the booth that can just wire down to them like, hey, you misspotted that ball. It should go back half a yard. Okay, cool. Perfect. Like it it doesn't, it just doesn't seem that difficult. I don't really understand. Do you think there's
0: any coincidence at all of one of the worst officiating years in recent history comes in a year when sports gambling is almost fully legal across the U.S.? and DraftKings is the official sponsor of the nfl uh, maybe maybe there's something there i don't want to i don't want to open too many curtains because i may not be around I just that much longer, but. i
2: just i just don't really under it, it just doesn't seem like it's that hard to fix people are like they didn't make them full time employees i'm like no just have some people up in the booth that can just wire down to them and just say hey move the ball back half an inch hey that wasn't a catch like bring it back like it's not that difficult like you're watching at home and you see it, or like it's a it's a review, and they gotta walk over to this little ass screen and look at it. And it's like, bro, just have someone in the booth that says it's either a catch or not a catch. You don't need to go look at a little ass screen the size of my goddamn iPhone to look at it.
0: So, well, on a tangent, well, but yeah, let's see let's see how the playoffs uh, pan out. Maybe we can have a, a special refereeing edition here. Um, but and that just let me let me just that just that just brings me to my thing. I mean, another just.
2: Carolina's whole franchise, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> They're the most inept franchise in, in the NFL. First of all, you go, right, you you, you hire a coach. You're like, you know what, we're going to hire this coach. We're going to let him pick our, our quarterback. Um, he wants C.J. Stroud. Then you go, the owner comes down and Tepper goes, no, I want Bryce Young. Okay, you draft Bryce Young. He's not good. You fire your coach a couple weeks later because your team's not very good. Not only did you trade D.J. Moore away in the trade, you also gave them Caleb Williams on top of what other other draft picks. And I think they get their second round next year. It's just the worst trade probably. It's worse than the Trey Lance trade Um, because you literally gave them the best quarterback prospect probably of the last 10 years. One of arguably the best quarterback prospect of the last 10 years for Bryce Young and D.J. Moore. And a second rounder, so and then you go and throw a beer on somebody or whatever you threw on somebody. So it's just horrible all around. Carolina's franchise, they they're just horrendous. They're never going to be good under Tefford. I, I really don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, they're going to be the Browns uh, of the from
0: what 1980 to 2010. Uh, just horrendous. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. It was beautifully put. Jay Mills, I think we can. We'll close out our uh, our NFL regular season and college football uh, full season. Kind of sad to see it come to an end, but you know, thank you to all your listeners that stuck through us. Um, we're looking forward to a, a really exciting 2024 with a lot more to come. Um, you know, as usual, don't need to do too many more plugs, but give us a like, a follow, a comment. Find us on X at BBA Pod, uh, Better Bets Ahead on Instagram. Like I said, we've got a lot of a lot of things in the works. Um, you can find me at uh, Bentley Bets on Instagram, Don Bentley Bets on X. reegs where where can the uh, listeners find you?
1: Yeah, find me on X at, at Reigs Bets. You know, looking forward to a, a big 2024 from from this group. I'm thinking we might have to do some some lines, keep track of some things. You know, show our fans exactly how good we are at these bets. Get the J Mills to Reigs Bets head to head going. Um, you know, but excited for 2024. Bummer, college football is coming to an end. Got some great sports ahead, especially the NFL playoffs. You know, bummer, my Raiders won't be there, but we'll have some fun bets coming ahead in, in the future weeks. Where can we find well, you, the Raiders
2: Will be the Raiders will <laughs> for sure. Be at the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> We're hosting it. In it, but I don't we know. Have to, <laughs> They'll be there. Be in They'll uniforms. be there. <laughs> um now uh, you find me at dynasty underscore dogs um on instagram uh, like i said like subscribe uh, leave us a comment leave us a message in there um, if you want to get on like we do fan pics every once in a while so if you want to get on for anything um, just send us your bets and we'll throw them in our pod um so that's all i gotta say where are you gonna find you uh bentley
0: yeah oh, you, you know where to find me um Don bentley bents bentley bets um that's uh that's gonna wrap up our our last. I'm kind of I'm almost going to tear my. Eye, our last college football, <laughs> but uh, stay tuned for next week. We're gonna be looking at NFL wild card weekends. Um, we've already mentioned before, but golf. We'll get some basketball in there. We're gonna we're gonna spice it up a little bit this year, and I'm sure we'll we'll start to have some rankings going forward as we as we put these bets in a few spreadsheets things like that. But signing off for the last time for college football. This is Better Bets Ahead.